Welcome to Diabetes Unplugged. Welcome to Diabetes Unplugged, where we shine light on life beyond the diagnosis and dare to redefine the way that we approach diabetes wellness. First and foremost, happy freaking new year, okay? It is officially 2024, okay? And what a better way to kick off the new year than with a brand new podcast, right? Like this has been such a long time coming. I have been wanting to start a podcast for the last couple of years. And now I finally just decided to stop waiting and just take the leap. And naturally in the beginning, I was like, well, what the heck am I even going to talk about? Because I already share so much on, you know, social media, on my platforms, you know, and also inside my courses. So I wanted this to have a slight edge on those things while still being able to share my insights and my personality with you all. But I think most importantly, being able to create community where we are addressing life beyond the diagnosis of diabetes, because what has always irritated me throughout both my personal journey and as I continue to you know, work with others in the diabetes community, there's always been people that tend to forget, and even wellness professionals that tend to forget that People with diabetes are navigating so much more than just blood sugar issues. It's having to navigate the struggles of diabetes on top of everything else that the average person goes through just by living the human experience. Like that's what we're talking about here. So that was my main premise with starting this podcast was I don't want to just share, you know, helpful tips and tricks for managing, you know, blood sugar, whatever, like I mean, I'm going to do that, right? And I do that already, like on my Instagram and TikTok. But I want to have real conversations and I want to address the stigma surrounding diabetes. I want to bring to the forefront real stories and breakthroughs while also building a safe space for those navigating diabetes to come and feel seen and understood, but also unlearn some of the toxic culture that we all live in and contribute to and are trying to change. So all that to say, welcome to Diabetes Unplugged. I am super excited to be here. Once I made up my mind that I was gonna do this thing, I just kind of jumped headfirst into creating content and recording episodes starting in like September. So I have been on this journey of just batch creating content and it has been such a fun and creative journey. <laughs> like I am super inspired by literally everything. Everything I do now sparks inspiration for a podcast episode. So I'm super excited to take you on this journey with me, starting with today's episode. It is officially the new year. We are now in 2024. Like I just, you know, let that sink in. It's 2024. Four. I don't know about you, but that just, for me, I'm just like, woo, like, 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 dang, like for real, <laughs> like, like already <laughs> type stuff. And so at, at this point, I mean, just like we kind of do every year, we have contemplated all the things that we'd like to accomplish this year already, right? Like it's another year. We've already been kind of contemplating, this is what I would like to accomplish. This is what I want to do. This is what I want this year to look like. And one of the biggest areas of focus, obviously, is health related. It never fails. Come January 1st, everyone is getting gym memberships and making these huge commitments to go hard and do the damn thing. Because let's be real, 
we want to do the damn thing, right? Like that's the point. We want to, we want to rise up and we want to take care of ourselves to our fullest capacity because regardless of what has happened up until this point, we all view the new year as a fresh start. It's like, if there was ever a time to start again, it's now. But before we can really talk about the goals that we have, or furthermore, before we can actually start pursuing those goals, there is a bigger conversation that needs to be had. And that conversation is, how do you begin again after letting yourself go? That is what I kind of want to unpack in today's episode. And what what divine timing for this podcast to launch because obviously we just made it through the holidays right and I don't know about you but the holidays they are just not what they used to be like when I was a kid the holidays were such a happy joyful there was this energy of just like happiness and joy like pure joy around the holidays and now you know It just feels like this intense time of year where it's just cold all the time. And granted, it's always cold, right? But it's just, you know, you don't really feel like doing anything but staying in the house. There's food everywhere that you turn. You just want to chill. It's not, sometimes it's not even as family oriented because we're just so stressed out. You know what I'm saying? And now it just feels like the energy of the holiday season now It just brings so much grief and sadness. And it's like when you pair that with overstimulation and anxiety, it's like, it's just a time of pure chaos. You know what I'm saying? And then it turns into, you know, disinterest and and some more stuff, right? And so, yes, it's, it's the grieving of like loved ones that have transitioned and, you know, either the months or years past, like it can be a very emotional time for a lot of families who have lost family members, you know, during the season. But I also think that it's the energy of grieving how things used to be, right? Like what things used to be and how things used to be. So naturally we kind of find ourselves, you know, particularly once like November hits, we're trying so hard to keep the season alive, you know, like we're we're decorating our houses and we're starting to buy gifts and we're we're also trying to, you know, maintain some sense of normalcy. I mean, we still got to go to work and take care of our families and all that kind of stuff. We're also trying to maintain a healthy-ish, <laughs> the healthy-ish habits that we had like during the summer and sort of kind of into fall where we start kind of falling off, right? But as the season goes on, It's like all of a sudden the mask that we've been trying to keep on by just going through the motions, it falls off. And somehow we fall into this place where we're just existing and we're just trying to find the strength to make it through this season, right? Like we start saying stuff like, I just need to make it through the holidays or things will get better once the new year hits or once January comes, I can start fresh. And again, this is our intention. But while we're waiting for this quote unquote new beginning, we tend to let ourselves go and we bury ourselves under unhealthy eating habits and routines also during the entirety of the holiday season, which ultimately makes it to where instead of really being able to truly start fresh come January, where we can, you know, 
easily sort of transition into more healthful habits and maintain it long term instead of, you know, quitting six weeks into the year. What we're having to do instead is really unpack some of the mindset shifts that have taken place during our time of grief and disappointment, aka the holidays, right? So today we are answering the question, how do you begin again after letting yourself go? And not only begin again, but how do you do so in a way that will allow you to not only reclaim your physical well-being, but also rebuild your self-esteem? and regain control over your health and also foster a positive relationship with food, all while bringing awareness to and embracing the lessons learned during these times of loss and regret and mourning and frustration and even discouragement, because these are all feelings that we have to navigate through over the past, you know, few months. Now, the holidays can be a tricky time for anyone, but for those who are navigating these emotions while also trying to manage diabetes, it can feel like a whirlwind of temptation, massive stress, and burnout. The span of time between October 31st, which is Halloween, to December 31st, it's like a 60-day period of complete uncertainty for someone that's navigating diabetes. It just is. But here's the truth. We're not here to necessarily blame the holidays, right? The holidays are not our scapegoat. Although let's be real over the years, we've gone, we have grown accustomed to using that season as such, right? We use the holidays as our excuse to not do what we know we need to do. But what we're here to do instead, instead of blaming the holidays is find a way to rise above it all. Because the fact of the matter is the holidays have come and gone. Now we're having to regain our motivation. And most importantly, we have to rebuild our trust in ourselves again. Because what happens is we go into the holiday season strong. Like I said, our intention is to maintain. Maintain the good habits that we've developed during the summer so that we can prevent some of the yearly turmoil that we experience each year around this time. But over time, we stop showing up for ourselves. It becomes easier to find reasons why you can't do the things that you were doing before instead of figuring out a way that you can do it, even though it might look a little bit differently because of the days being shorter and the, the weather changing and all those things. And every day, we still continue to tell ourselves, tomorrow, I'm gonna get back on track. I'm gonna do my workout. I'm gonna you know, make better food choices. But even after trying to convince ourselves that we're still gonna do all the things, we don't. We don't keep our promises to ourselves. We don't do the things that we say we're going to do because while they're easy to do, they're just as easy not to do. Let that sink in. While what you need to do is very easy, they're very easy things to do. They are just as easy not to do. And slowly but surely, we find ourselves not being able to trust what comes out of our own mouths. It's like, yeah, that sounds nice, but I'm gonna just be honest, I ain't doing it, you know? And, and and we accept that because the truth of the matter is nobody's gonna be on our case about it anyway. It's the holiday season. Everyone slacks off during this time, which makes it very easy for you to do so as well, right? But this is why self-accountability is so important because you have to live with your decisions. You're the one that has to get up every day and look yourself in the mirror. And again, there is a lot that contributes to getting to this stage of burnout where you just don't feel like you have the strength 
to do the things that you know you should do. Diabetes burnout is a very real thing. And the holidays can most certainly push you towards that edge. It's not your fault. We all have our limits. But again, how do we overcome it? We have to focus on the solution, not necessarily the situation. We can't get stuck in the situation. So what I want to do first is actually share with you two main pieces of advice for rebuilding self-trust. There are definitely more, but I find that these two are like the foundation that all the others are built upon, right? But first, you need to understand why self-trust is important. Let's start there. Why is self-trust important? Because if you don't understand why this is necessary, it doesn't really matter anything else that I say in this episode because it's going to go in one ear and out the other. You need to understand the why behind a lot of things, right? So when we're talking about the importance of building self-trust with yourself, self-trust is paramount. It is it is like the most important thing for overcoming burnout, number one, but also for finding the strength to begin again after letting yourself go, especially in the context of diabetes management. To trust yourself means that you believe in your capacity to make thoughtful choices and adapt to challenges and prioritize your self-care. You believe in your ability to do that. That's what self-trust is. This trust is going to serve as the foundation for resilience, right? It's going to enable you to recover from your setbacks and, and to navigate those emotional and physical toll that, you know, that burnout brings, right? And so with without self-trust or when you find yourself in a place where you're just in pure disappointment with yourself, because that's that's real. We do reach that point. Without self-trust, the process of recovery and renewal, that can be significantly hindered. That That can look and be impossible, right? Because a lack of self-trust is going to breed self-doubt. And when you have, when you're full of self-doubt, that makes it so much harder to commit to healthier habits or seek support when you need it, right? And on the other hand, self-trust, you have, you have that side of, of, you know, if you don't have self-trust, you have self-doubt, right? And that keeps you crippled. But then you have the other side of self-trust is like where you, when you build that self-trust with yourself, that's going to empower you to number one, acknowledge your, your, your past setbacks without judgment, because that's important. That judgment piece is so important. But then number two, it's going to allow you to view those setbacks as opportunities for growth. It's going to allow you to approach these new beginnings, like the new year with a sense of confidence, knowing that you have the inner resources to make positive changes and sustain them over time. It's about what's happening on the inside. That's what self-trust is. It's about the inner journey. What's happening on the inside. So self-trust in itself is the catalyst for renewing that sense of of control and, and, and helping to propel you towards those healthier, more balanced lifestyle habits. Does that make sense? So especially specifically after periods of like, extreme difficulty or disinterest or burnout in your diabetes journey. Self-trust is the catalyst. Self-trust is the fuel. Self-trust is that inner belief that I have what it takes to be able to do this. 
That's the importance and the power behind having self-trust. That's the foundation. You need this. You need this. So how do we rebuild it now? That's the question. So the first piece of advice for rebuilding this, right? Because it has to be built. The first piece of advice, and I'm laughing because this, this, I'm talking to me. (laughs) I'm talking to me. I promise you, I'm talking to me. The first step of advice for rebuilding self-trust is self-forgiveness. I feel like I'm... (laughs) I feel like I'm getting emotional um, when I say this because, like I said, a lot of these podcast episodes that I record, I'm speaking directly to me, like the version of myself that I was, you know, when I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes, but also sometimes the version that I see myself sometimes slipping back into even today, right? Because, (laughs) baby... Listen, that version of Medina was so hard on herself. Like that version of Medina is hard on herself. Even when I, when I feel that side of me kind of creeping up again, like I was almost just cruel to me. Right. And that's why I bring up self-forgiveness because we, a lot of times hold ourselves hostage. Right. And we hold ourselves hostage for the things we didn't know. Or the way things turned out that maybe we, you know, they didn't go the way that we think they should have. And we feel like we should have done something more. or We could have done something more when in reality we couldn't. We did the best of what we knew how to do at the moment. Or maybe we could and we just did it at the time. Whatever the case may be. But the guilt that we feel about the mistakes that we've made. Or more specifically, the way that we have let ourselves go to the point where we're just disgusted with ourselves. That holds a lot of weight. That holds a lot of weight. Like I know for me, there are times when I will literally just pick myself apart and I hang a lot of stuff over my head. And then the aftermath of that or the way that I think I need to deal with it is to do more or seek approval or validation from others when the only person I need to validate is me. The only person I need to validate me is me, right? So one of the toughest uh, parts of this journey is the emotional roller coaster that we go on. Self-forgiveness is an act of compassion, just like self-trust, that it builds that compassion. But self-forgiveness is the act of compassion and understanding towards yourself. Even in the face of your past mistakes or your shortcomings, when you acknowledge that number one, you are not perfect, that's number one. And number two, that everybody is out here making errors. When you acknowledge that, you grant yourself the permission and the grace to heal and grow from moments when you have let yourself down or you didn't do the thing that you knew you should have done or whatever. The process of self-forgiveness allows you to release the burden of guilt and shame that rob you of your self-trust to begin with. It's going to allow you to confront your imperfections with kindness. Can we talk about kindness, right? It's going to allow you to look at your imperfections and say, listen, listen, baby girl, listen, baby boy, I love you regardless. Yeah, we made a mistake. We Listen, we, we didn't do the things that we said we was going to do. But, you know, it, it allows you to just to talk to yourself differently. We need that. Like, we're so hard 
on ourselves. We are our worst, our worst critics. But again, when you forgive yourself, you are acknowledging your humanity and you give yourself the opportunity to learn from your experiences rather than dwelling on the self-blame to the point where it keeps you crippled. Because that's that's a big part of this, right? We can, we can be so hard on ourselves to where it keeps us stuck in our mess instead of using it as fuel to keep going. So while self-trust is the belief and the confidence that one has in their abilities, self-forgiveness is the act of pardon that you give yourself for the mistakes that you've made or will make along the way so that you can continue to show up confidently, okay? Self-forgiveness is what is going to pave the way for rebuilding your self-trust by helping you to foster a healthier relationship with your inner self. It's all about what is happening on the inside. That is where the real struggle lies. The struggle lies in the self-bullying that we do to ourselves for not being perfect, okay? We judge ourselves so much harder than what other people do and then we end up holding ourselves captive. You have to set yourself free because that's how you're going to create that resilience and that self-acceptance and that belief that despite my past missteps, I have, I possess the capacity to make better choices and honor my commitments moving forward. That's what self-forgiveness is. And that's not to say that you're never going to find yourself back to a place where you've gotten off track or you fell into doom and gloom. But the point is, when you are radically honest about your self-forgiveness, you're going to find that you're not staying in the trenches as long as you used to. You're going to be able to pull yourself out of that place faster. So instead of being depressed for a month at a time, you might experience depression for about a week at a time. Right, You may have revisited that feeling of depression, but you're recovering faster. You're not staying in it as long. That's what growth is. Growth is not, I'm never finding myself in this situation again. It is, I have the capacity to pull myself out faster, to recover faster. That's the whole point of a healing journey, right? That's what the human experience is. It's feeling that full range of emotions without attaching yourself work to any of them. That's why self-forgiveness is so important. It's an essential step towards re-establishing trust in your own judgment and abilities. Self-forgiveness is the key. Without it, there is no ability to begin again because self-forgiveness is the catalyst to the belief that you are worthy of a fresh start. The second foundation of building self-trust is self-love. <laughs> Baby, self-love self-love mm, let that sink in for a minute self-love i think that a lot of times if we were to ask ourselves who do we love we will list everybody we will list our family and our friends and you know the associate that pulled us out of the trenches once in our lives and were really really stood up for us one we will name so many people and we will forget to you know, name ourselves completely. We forget to put ourselves on that list or we are at the very bottom of that list. And I think when it comes to self-love, it's like an auto response. Like if you were to ask somebody that, you know, if you were to ask someone, hey, do you love yourself? I think automatically people say yes, right? Because 
we want to. We we want to be able to say that, yeah, I love myself. Like why who who would say I don't love myself? You know, who would say that out loud? Like it not that it's impossible, not that people don't say it out, but that that's like a deep dark secret that people keep, right? Like no one's going around saying, Yeah, I don't love myself. Instead, it's reflected in our actions, right? But we'll talk about that later. So we are either the last person on our list of people that we love or we don't make the cut at all. But then we turn around when people ask us to be like, yeah, I love myself. But when the reality is there's a lot of people out here that don't love themselves. And I think that no one is exempt from that. I think that we have all found ourselves in a place at one point or another in our lives where we have had to admit to ourselves. Because again, we're talking about radical honesty, right? where we have had to admit to ourselves that I I don't love me or there are people that I love that I have in my life that I love more than me. Self-love, just like self-forgiveness, is so, it is an essential key to rebuilding self-trust, especially again, after a period of self-doubt. Self-love and self-forgiveness go hand in hand because they're going to help you to nurture a compassionate relationship with yourself. So self-love, like I said earlier, self-love requires radical honesty, which means you have to have the ability to be candid with yourself about your needs and your boundaries and your limitations. It's about acknowledging that number one, you're a human being with imperfections and that's okay. Right. But often because we're putting such immense pressure on ourselves to meet the expectations of others and to be everything for everyone and to never let everyone down, in that process, we sometimes forget that we must also be honest with ourselves about our capacity to show up for others. True self-love might require us to let people down gently sometimes and not out of selfishness, but out of self-preservation. It's about recognizing that, like we've all heard, you can't pour from an empty cup. You can be there for others, but you must also be there for yourself. It's acknowledging and saying no to additional commitments or setting boundaries as an act of self-love, ensuring that your own well-being doesn't suffer. So self-love is not about treating people, you know, unkindly for the sake of yourself. You know what I mean? And self-love is not just about treating yourself kindly. It's about being honest with yourself and valuing your own needs and boundaries. That's what self-love is. And when you truly love and care about yourself, you rebuild that trust within because you are prioritizing your well-being while still being there for others in a healthier, sustainable way. Because this is, let's, let's, let's be real about this. This is nothing new. You've heard this before and you're probably listening to this and your mind is like, yeah, I know, I know I need to do better. I know I need to set, you know, start setting boundaries and I know I need to, you know, take care of myself first and blah, blah, blah. But the, the question then becomes, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? Yeah, we know that you know what you need to do, but are you going to do it? And if your intention is to do it, don't wait Start now. Let's recap. Let's recap for a second. In order to go into this year, 2024, with a true fresh start to where you're not only starting again, 
as you do every year, right? But you're laying a solid and strong foundation of radical honesty and accountability in a way that encompasses the understanding that this is an ongoing journey of wellness, not in until I reach a specific destination type deal. In order for it to be that, you must first rebuild self-trust. Because if you don't trust yourself, you will not show up for yourself. And remember, trust has to be built. It's not something where you're going to say, all right, I trust myself now and that be it. Think about what it takes to be able to truly trust another person. You don't just automatically trust someone when you first meet them. And I say that because you're going to have to reintroduce yourself to you. The version of you that is consistent, that follows through, that is self-compassionate. You are not that person right now. You are becoming that person. So you have to reintroduce yourself to you. If this is who you're going to be, you have to start showing up as them every day, not just once in a while. You need regular exposure to the new you. You need to see how you go act just like it would be with another person. And through consistency and intention, that is how you begin to build relationship of trust with yourself. And the person that you are reintroducing yourself to is your comfort zone. When I say you need to reintroduce you to you, you're reintroducing this new, improved, high, high vibrational being to your comfort zone. Your comfort zone is who you are right now. Your comfort zone is the person that you are staring back at in the mirror every day that you're so disgusted with. Your comfort zone is the version of you that was eating uncontrollably the other day because you were stressed out and triggered and anxious. Your comfort zone is the version of you that is staying up until 2 a.m. every night, pressing snooze multiple times in the morning, replacing breakfast with coffee, and not being as active as you know that you should be and is embarrassed to ask for help. That is the version of you that you are going to need to re reintroduce yourself to. And you know how that reintroduction takes place? Through your mindset. That reintroduction takes place through your mindset. That's why self-forgiveness and self-love are so powerful because they are mindset shifts. And remember, this works both ways. So just like when you lose trust in someone, they did something to betray your trust, right? It takes time for you to trust them again, correct? In the same way, you have let yourself down. Let's just call it what it is. So it's going to take time to trust yourself again. You don't just write off everybody that betrays your trust. Not right away, right? Not right away. Let's break this down. Most of us are pretty good at giving people another chance, but we need to see if they are serious or if they care enough to right their wrongs with us. And again, we do this through what? Observation. What are their actions saying? Because it's not about what a person says. It is about what they do. In the same way, what are you doing to prove to you that you can trust you? It is about your action. And that's not to say, again, that people don't mess up. But do you see their effort? That is the question. Do you see their effort? Are they putting in an effort to fix things? And not just effort, but consistent effort. This is where radical honesty comes in. Because remember, self-love 
is about radical honesty and you have to have self-love in order to build, rebuild self-trust, right? So if honestly you observe that you are not putting in consistent effort and effort looks different every day, let's say that, if you observe that you, because this is about you, if you observe that you are not putting in consistent effort, how can you practice self-compassion and self-forgiveness to reassert your boundary with yourself that says, hey, we ain't doing this. This thing that you're doing right here is, is taking me back. It's taking me back to a place where I'm not trying to go. I understand we're going through some stuff right now. You're feeling a little triggered or whatever you're feeling. Let, let's create some awareness. How do you need to be supported right now? Listen, you got to be proactive in this thing. You, you need to talk to you like you are your own best friend. When I tell you, <laughs> I am my own best friend. I be in here talking to myself like, girl, come on, come on. Because what you doing? Because you know better. This, this ain't it. What do you need? That's how I talk to me. What do you need? What is hindering you from showing up and following through on the things that you know you should be doing? I got to talk to me because I don't always have people re readily available. Because the reality is everybody's going through their own stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't get me wrong. I got my peoples. I got my peoples. But sometimes we all going through it and we don't, we can't show up for each other. So that is why I have become my own best friend. And I talk to myself like, girl, what you need? What do you need? And how can we make this easier for you? Literally maybe like a month. Well, it's been a couple months now, a couple months ago, I was in just a really low place. It's just low, low. And I had to start again after being in this low place for literally like a good month and a half. And the very first thing that I needed to do was just have a conversation with myself. Like I was existing in that gray area between, you know, I knew what I needed to do. And I knew that if I did those things that I would feel better, right? I knew that just following through on those things was the solution to getting to where I wanted to be. But I was existing in that gray area, that middle area of knowing what to do and doing it. I was right in between. I just wasn't following through. And so again, it was, I needed to have a conversation with myself that was like, baby, what is good? Like, what, what's wrong? And, and it allowed me to validate myself and, and create an experience for myself and create awareness for myself, for me to see this is where I'm struggling. I'm dealing with a lot of self-doubt right now. That is why I can't follow through. And then it was like, all right, let's go a little bit deeper. Where is the self-doubt coming from? Maybe the self-doubt for me at that time was coming from doing all the things and still not getting the results that I wanted or feeling imposter syndrome. Like I wasn't worthy of doing, you know, achieving X, Y, and Z, whatever it was, but it allowed me by just showing up for me and talking to me to realize that and then follow through. By creating, you know, honoring baby steps, which I'm going to talk to you about in a second too. You know what I'm saying? So you got to take the time to actually talk with yourself and ask yourself, what do you need? Or how can I support you? Or how do I need someone else to show up for me? Like when is the last time that you asked yourself what you needed and actually responded? Do you know what you need? Do you know how you need somebody to show up for you? You got to get to the root of these things. Ooh, let me take a breather because <laughs> I just went on a tangent. But you get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. Self-forgiveness and self-love 
are the foundations of self-trust. So, but, and and while that's true, I, I don't want us to forget about practical tips as well, right? Because those can also make a world of a difference. But I wanted us to understand, and I want you to understand again, before you go do all the things, before you get that gym membership, before you start talking about, I'm gonna go big or go home and I'm going all in and blah, 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 blah. There's a conversation that you gotta have first. There's some questions that you need to ask. There's some things that you need to unpack first. And you have to understand what your journey truly is. Your journey is not going to the gym. That's part of the journey, but that's not the journey. Like the journey is rebuilding that self-trust and you can't do that without self-forgiveness and self-love, okay? So we have the mindset piece for how to start again. But now I wanna talk about the physical, what do you do part or how do you do it part? Because we need some practical tips too. It's like, all right, Medina, I get it. I got that, I gotta shift my mindset. As I'm in the process of shifting my mindset, what are the action steps? What are the action steps that I need to focus on? So the first practical tip that I wanna give you as far as the how to start again, the how part after letting yourself go is first, first of all, create awareness. Like I said, when I was going through, that's the first thing I had to do was create awareness, okay? I'm gonna give you a little crash course on how to do this real quick. Creating awareness means that first, you have to get clear on what it is that you're currently doing. That's the first thing. The best way that I find to do this is to write it down. Write it down. You have to get it out of your head and onto paper so you can see it. Most of us are very visual anyway. We're visual people. We need to see it. And you have to also remember that Your brain is for creating information, not for holding it, not for storing it. So you have to be intentional about getting the information out of your head so that you can sort through it first. So that's the first step of creating awareness. Like write it, right? And then you can decide what changes you want to make or, you know, take away what you want to add, what you want to take away, whatever, in order to bring you closer to your goals. So what I recommend is literally starting by writing out your day in detail. Like from the moment you open your eyes in the morning, what happens? And don't leave anything out. Like be as detailed as humanly possible because that's how you're gonna be able to really get a clear picture of your current reality. So for example, if you wake up and the first thing you do in the morning is you scroll TikTok for an hour, all right? How does that make you feel? How does it make you feel in the moment and how does it make you feel shortly after? Do you feel good when you're doing it in the moment? Because, you know, maybe it's distracting you from how you really, you know, how tired you really are, or maybe it's offering you some entertainment, uh, maybe a quick, you know, dopamine release or whatever. And then once you're finally up, you feel drained or you feel anxious or you feel like all of a sudden you're rushing to get ready to head out the door. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what awareness is. That's what awareness is. It's like, it's writing it down and then you review it. And then when you review it, you got to keep in mind the question. You got to ask yourself the question. How do I feel? How does this make me feel in the moment? How does it make me feel after or whatever? You know what I'm saying? Ask yourself those questions. It's the follow through. That's what awareness is. Identify how your current habits are serving you. And if you're okay with how they're serving you, all right, they remain the same. Or if you're not, then you decide, hey, this is what needs to be improved upon. 
So let's say that you've identified a few areas or habits that are not serving you in the way that, you know, puts you in alignment with your goals or whatever, and you want to start improving upon it. These tips that I'm going to give you are going to really help you with that follow through on those actions. It's going to help you with the, I am not satisfied with how this is serving me. I want to change it. Tip number one is start small and honor the baby steps, okay? Start small and honor the baby steps. Starting small and honoring the baby steps when you have made up your mind that you are ready to get back on track and shift your habits towards your wellness goals and all those things, That this is crucial because this is what is going to set up a sustainable and manageable foundation for progress. This approach, the the baby steps and, and starting small, this acknowledges that significant change, the drastic changes that you want to make actually come from gradual, consistent effort rather than dramatic overnight transformations. So for instance, starting small, let's say your goal is nutrition or diet based. Starting small with your nutrition goals might be like, instead of overhauling your entire diet at once, instead of saying, you know, I'm, I'm tomorrow, I'm about to go vegan. Maybe you start by just incorporating one healthy meal or one healthy snack, you know, that happens to be plant-based into your day. Maybe that's where you start. This could be as simple as just saying, I'm going to add some extra vegetables to my dinner. You know what I mean? And here's the thing about, (laughs) here's the thing about starting small and honoring the baby steps that pisses people off. Okay. It is not sexy. It does not look or sound sexy. It is almost an insult to some of us because it's like, we, we for real want our day one to look like someone else's day 100. That's the problem. And it's like, no, this is not about aesthetics. This is not about aesthetics. This is about creating your new reality. And it's not sexy in the beginning. In fact, it's real messy. It's real messy in the beginning. But we want to be able to do all these sexy things. Like we, like going to the gym for an hour a day and getting on the treadmill and lifting weights, that looks real sexy when you got content creators on the internet showing their bodies and they six packs and you know all their fancy meal prep meals and blah that looks real sexy that is aesthetically pleasing but you are in the beginning of your journey and so when we talk about starting small again it don't look like it doesn't look like it's making a difference it doesn't look like it's enough or it doesn't feel like it's enough to get you to where you want to be. Because again, you are comparing your day one to someone else's day 100 and you cannot do that. So on the topic of exercise, right? If you have been inactive for the last, you know, two, three months, since winter started, since the holiday season hit, right? If you haven't done any exercise, maybe your small step or your baby step is not going to the gym for an hour a day, but maybe you just start taking a short walk every day or you do a gentle, you know, stretching routine. Over time, you can gradually increase this. 
You can increase the duration and the intensity of your workouts over time. But with if you are trying to go from zero to 100, you can't get mad when you're three weeks in or four or five, six weeks in and you just be like, I ain't feeling this. You know what I mean? Because again, the goal is sustainability. We're doing this long term, which brings me to my next point. All right. Celebrate the small wins. Tip number two, celebrate the small wins. Okay. I'm going to say it again. Celebrate the small wins. This means every victory, no matter how small. It deserves recognition. You have to recognize yourself for the effort, there goes that word again, that you are putting in. Even though in the beginning, you're just doing small things. You're doing more than what you have been. So celebrate that. And when I say celebrate small wins, it don't mean you got to celebrate by like throwing everything away and being like, all right, well, I did it up until this, whatever. Let me just go throw away <laughs> everything that I've done. You know, it don't always, your recognition for, you know, as far as celebrating your baby steps, doesn't mean you got to go eat. You know what I'm saying? It's just, just recognize yourself. You know, like one thing, so inside my course, Dominate Diabetes Academy, this is one of the first lessons that we go over is how to create and keep your healthy habits, right? And one of the strategies that I teach is to basically create a reward system. Like I, it, this works really well for me because it gives me something to look forward to. So for example, if I'm honoring my baby steps and my baby step is like, maybe I've been, and I haven't been doing this, but maybe I've been drinking, you know, soda every single day. You know, maybe I've been going to the gas station and getting a big gulp, you know, <laughs> every day for the holidays, just cause I've been stressed and, and soda, you know, Dr. Pepple calms my nerves. <laughs> so maybe, you know, with me getting back on track, my baby step is, you know, I'm drinking more water. I'm trying my, my goal is for the next two weeks, I am striving to drink half my body weight um, in ounces of water. And I accomplished that goal. I need to recognize that I have been being consistent with that, that I have been putting in the effort to do that. And I've been successful with it. You know what I mean? I need to acknowledge that. So maybe I reward myself with a new uh, what do you call them little things like a tumbler cup, the fancy one that everybody's drinking out of, like the adult, the adult sippy cup. Maybe that's my reward. Maybe right now I just been drinking bottled waters, like just to get it in. You know what I'm saying? But maybe my reward system allows me that says, you know, okay, if I do this at least 80% of the time for the next two weeks, I'm drinking half my body, my body weight in ounces. I'm gonna reward myself with a new tumbler cup. You know what I'm saying? Or whatever works for you. Like figure out what your interests are. Like if you like makeup, your reward is I get to go to Sephora and get some makeup. If you like gym clothes, all right, I get to buy me a little cute gym outfit. Like what is your reward? What kind of things do you like? Do you like graphic tees? All right, well, I'm gonna go, if I do whatever my goal is and I'm consistent with it, I get to go buy myself a new graphic tee, you know, or whatever, you know, but we have to celebrate these small things that we're doing because they're going to keep us motivated to continue to do it, to continue to move forward. 
and continue to accomplish these things. Because then when we add a little bit more on top of there, we add a little bit more, we add a little bit more, we're going to be able to be more consistent. So what I usually try to, (laughs) what I talk to people about all the time when it comes to celebrating your small wins is recognizing like, I want you to think about how it was, like whether you're a parent or not, or just think about like when you were a baby, right? And how your parents were with you or whoever raised you. You know how when you first have a baby or, you know, you see a newborn baby, whatever, the very first thing that that child does is not running. Like they ain't coming out the room. They ain't coming out the womb running, right? The very first thing that a baby learned how to do is lift their head up. Right. And you know how the mamas be like, oh, my baby's so strong. They to lift their head up. Like, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> like we make a big deal. Like, I know when <laughs> when my son was born, I made a big deal out of everything. I was like, my baby's so strong. He's so alert. Just look at him. He's sitting up. Blah, 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 blah. Like we make a big deal as parents of the smallest, most minuscule things that our kids do. It's a big deal. And we celebrate that. Like, okay. Like I know in black families, even in like Hispanic families, right? We like look for a reason to throw a party. Like I know how, like, that's how my family was like, oh, somebody got straight A's. Let's throw a party. Or, oh, somebody, you know, you went to school for a whole week. Let's, let's throw a party. Like we looked for excuses to throw a party. Right. And so then after your baby lifts their head up, then the next thing they do is they learn how to roll over. You know, you might put them on their they, they stomach and then they roll over onto their back. Like, that's a big deal. You know what I'm saying? We'd be like, oh, my baby is rolling over. And then the baby got to learn how to sit up. And then the baby got to learn how to stand. We ain't walking and running yet. Well, he just standing up. He learned how to prop himself up on something. Then he took his first step and then he fell down. But you was so hype about that first step, right? We was like, oh, this is it. My baby taking a first step and we applauded. Yeah, you did so good. We are all over the top with the fact that our child took one step and fell. But we celebrated that baby step. We celebrated that win. Our Our perception of that was my baby is making progress, right? And then after the baby took the first step, then it took another step. Maybe he's taking two, three steps, then four, five, six steps. Then maybe, all right, they ain't got to prop themselves up no more. They just, they going. You know what I'm saying? And then they're running. So, but again, the point of this analogy is that we have to learn how to celebrate ourselves as if we are taking this perception of we are a newborn baby and we are making progress. That matters. Can you imagine if a baby... You know, after they after they go through their crawling phase and they're lifting themselves up, can you imagine if a baby was just like they took their first step and they failed? And they was like, oh, well, that's it. I ain't never gonna walk in because I failed once, so uh, I ain't gonna do that no more. This floor is hard, and I'm just you know walking in for me. You know, I, I will just I will be carried my whole life. Can you imagine if as babies we said that and we never tried again? If you never tried again because you fell one time or you fell two, three, four times or you bumped your head on the corner end of the table, listen, like you need, we gotta be, we gotta have the determination of a baby. Ain't that crazy? Babies are more determined than us. But you gotta, (laughs) the whole point is you gotta keep going. You gotta recognize 
the baby steps. You got to recognize the small efforts that you're putting in because it's going, it's a compound effect. Every step that you took as a child and you fail, it taught you to keep going. You kept trying and you got a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. You, it's not that you weren't never falling. You was falling. You most certainly was falling, but you got up and you kept going. That is what this journey is about. Okay. Tip number three, I'll be preaching. Okay. Tip number three, release your attachment to time. Release your attachment to time. Okay. This, you got to release it. You got to release it. Release your attachment to time. Because again, we're in this for the long haul. Whether you like it or not, you are in this for the long haul. You have to understand the difference between instant gratification, which is what we all want, what we're all used to. We want things very microwave right now and delayed gratification. That's the reality of being on a journey, whether it's a health journey, whether it's a mind, a mental, whatever. It doesn't matter what kind of journey you're on, whether it's the journey to be a doctor, it doesn't matter. You have to understand the, the value of delayed gratification. And delayed gratification, it can be difficult because it forces you to trust that what you're doing will reap the rewards you want in the long run. So delayed gratification is about trust. You gotta trust that as you continue to pick yourself up again every single day, that you are going to make the type of progress that is going to lead you to your ultimate goal. You have to trust that by making a conscious effort to put vegetables on your plate, even though it seems insignificant, that it is doing what it needs to do in your body internally in order for you to increase your insulin sensitivity. You got to trust that. You got to trust that by taking walks after your meal, that your body is going to be able to do what it was designed to do to keep your blood sugar in a stable range. You got to trust that. You got to trust that that 10 minute walk is just as valuable as going to the gym for an hour a day. You have to trust it. You have to trust that by disciplining yourself enough to go to sleep during normal hours at night is going to help your body heal from the inside out. It's not sexy. It's not what you want to do. You would rather much, you would much so rather wait, stay up late eating whatever it is that you like to snack on and watching Netflix because that is instant gratification. It brings you joy in that moment. It brings you so much joy. That's what we want. We want that constant dopamine release, but you have to trust that by disciplining yourself to do things differently, that it is going to bring you closer to where it is that you ultimately want to be. That is delayed gratification and it is so worth it. It is so worth it. It is so worth it. So release your attachment to time and how long it might take for you to get to where you ultimately want to be. That's not where your focus needs to be. Because let me tell you something, the time is going to pass anyway. Whether it's six weeks, six months, six years, the time is going to pass anyway. What you need to ask yourself is where do you want to be by the time that time passes, right? Tip number four, consistency over constantly, okay? And this is also really important. I want you to remember that it's okay to rest and enjoy your life too. You are aiming for 80-20 here. And I have an episode, a podcast episode, breaking down the 80-20 lifestyle as well. If it hasn't been released already, you can anticipate that coming too. 
but we are aiming for 80-20 lifestyle, okay? 80% consistency, 20% flexibility. That is where the magic happens, all right? So remember how I was saying that effort looks different every day, all right? Remember the 80-20 rule. You don't have to be constantly pushing yourself to do things. 80% of the time, you do what you need to do, be on your square. But that 20% of the time of flexibility and rest is just as important as going big or going home, going hard constantly, okay? So as you continue to embark on this journey to starting fresh and getting back on track after the holidays, as you go into 2024, because we're here now, it's fresh, all right? We are here. You made it. You made it, okay? But make sure that your intention is embarking on this journey with compassion, with self-love, and understanding that the journey is not about, you know, reaching a particular destination, right? It's not about that. It's rather, it's more importantly about rebuilding self-trust and cultivating a healthier relationship with yourself, mind, body, and spirit. Okay. And I also know, I want you to know rather that this is not something that you have to do alone, that there is so much power in, in community. And it's one thing to try to DIY it and do it on your own and be your own cheerleader, because yes, it's important, but it's also, it becomes an entirely new empowering experience when you do it with people who understand your struggles and who can hold you up in moments where you don't feel strong enough to do it yourself. So with that being said, I want to invite you to join me inside of my 10-week course, Dominating Diabetes Academy. This is where I take you week by week through the process of building healthier, sustainable wellness practices, dietary and lifestyle habits so that you can naturally balance your blood sugar, lower your A1C, prevent and eliminate the need for diabetes medications, and of course, reverse diabetes once and for all. So all that information about DDA will be in the show notes. Make sure that you take a look at that. And also, I will put the link to my free training so you can check that out as well so you can understand the other foundations that we are going to be covering over the 10-week process. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. I'm so excited for you in this journey. Let me know in the comments what you got out of this and how you are going to be embarking on your journey. What are some of your goals? How are you going to make those a reality? I want to know all the things. Share with me in the comments. I love, love, love hearing from you guys so much. Thank you for being here and I'll see you next week. I hate to interrupt this episode because I know that you are thoroughly enjoying it. But before we continue, I wanted to pop in and share something that is really important. If you're frustrated with living with type 2 diabetes and you want to reverse the root cause of this condition and get the best blood sugar of your life while also restoring your body's ability to tolerate carbs, you're going to need a simplified step-by-step -step plan of action that'll take you from where you are now to where you want to be. Not only that, you're also going to need some expert guidance to get you through this journey. Not because you can't do it on your own, but because you might have some questions and some challenges along the way. Dominating Diabetes Academy is a program that I designed to help you naturally balance your blood sugar while lowering your A1C and eliminating the need for diabetes medications. 
On top of that, I want you to be able to confidently take charge of your health in as little as 10 weeks. Inside DDA, you're gonna be immersed in a world where food becomes your medicine, your energy level is restored, and unstable blood sugar levels become a distant memory. To learn more about Dominating Diabetes Academy, make sure you check out the link inside the show notes and get started on your plan towards optimal health today. Now, without further ado, let's get back into today's episode. 